Welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. I'm Caroline Rena, and here, let the ride inside adventure begin. I will share what it's like on my own healing journey, and through what I learn and become aware of, provide insight to your journey as well. everyone. I'm Caroline Rena, and welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. And today I have Tammy Romer, and I'm not sure what's going to come out of this one, but it's going to be pretty fun. So that's all I got to say. So um, I'm going to introduce Tammy, and then we'll start right in. So uh, Tammy has spent years writing for others as a marketing strategist while traveling her own self-love journey before writing Love and Kale. A painful and unstable childhood set her upon a global quest to find validation and love. Little did she know, as she struggled through two divorces, a lifetime of career ups and downs, a burnt out adrenal system, and the ultimate diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, the answers she sought came the truest of all loves she found was within her all along. I love that. I love that. And uh, once she made this discovery, she committed herself to helping all women find, nurture, and hold on to their own self-love. I love this. Hey, Tammy. How you doing? Hey. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me. You're welcome. Good, good. So, like I said, we're just going to have some fun with this, and um, we'll just see where it goes. So, I'm really okay. excited about this book. Uh, can you... Um, kind of give us an idea of what you're doing right now in with with the book sure so um every december at the end of every december every year i kind of take some time to reflect and and look at where i am where i want to go what's going on and this past december i was really in a stuck place i was I don't know, I, I, I describe it as I had no flow. And I pulled out some old journals and some old classwork that I had done on some old, uh, different education programs and stuff like that. And I, I noticed that there was this ongoing theme that I was writing about. And while I didn't know to term it self-love yet, what I did know was what I was seeing around me and what I was being exposed to through broadcast television and advertising and marketing was this notion that love and happiness were out, outward things. They were things outside of us. Mm -hmm. And through the acquisition of either a, a very handsome husband or a really, really sexy mid-century modern home in Palm Springs and the Lexus SUV wrapped in a red bow in the driveway with the fake snow, that we would suddenly have all this happiness, all this love, all this fulfillment and contentment. And having been in marketing and advertising for 30 plus years, and I call myself a, a chief manipulator, I knew intellectually about aspirational marketing and advertising because I had written it or produced it all of my life. So that seeing these messages was nothing new. You know, the Hallmark Channel between Thanksgiving and Christmas is all about finding your Christmas prints. 
Um, and what I kept bumping up against as a woman was this notion that there was, we had to go outside of ourselves in order to get this love or this validation. Mm-hmm. And um, I got pissed off as you do. <laughs> and I wrote a rant on Facebook, you know, why does marketing keep saying the same story over and over again? You're not whole and complete if you don't have all of these things. Can I ask and, you a question before you continue? Because this is just bringing sure. something already. It's bringing something up for me. Okay. okay. So for years, I have been like enamored with the, I don't know what word to use, consumerism and how it works in advertising and how they actually hire psychologists to understand the human mind and how they can manipulate the mind to get, is that, that's true, right? Yeah. So they're called, they're called account planners Uh, and basically account planners in large advertising agencies have degrees in psychology uh, or sociology and they use those degrees to inform the messaging. So So whether it's an athlete. We need all those outside things. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And most of it, I would say 80% of all marketing that you and I see, more all the advertising you and I see, is geared towards women because women make 85% of the purchases in the household. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the way it's geared towards us is that we're lesser than. Um, And these, by purchasing these things and obtaining this huge engagement ring, et cetera, then our lives will be complete, then and only then. But as we've all experienced, you know, first we want the Mercedes, then we want the this, then we want the that, then we want the that, okay? Mm -hmm. So back to my story. Uh, So I did this rant on Facebook, um, as you do, and um, then I started doing some more meditation and doing some more inwardly focus things on myself on myself i don't have multiple cells they just have one we right all now do. it's okay children i just i wanted to get some clarity for myself and i also wanted to get this get rid of this unblocked flow that i had i just felt like i was stuck now i'm not the only person that felt that way for two years we've been in a major pandemic lockdown. Mm -hmm. And even though here in Florida where I live and in other states, we can move free about the country. We don't need Southwest to tell us to do that. Um, Still there's this overriding cautionary, protective, um, you know, I mean, I've been working from home for two and a half, almost three years now. Mm-hmm. There's still like, you know, I've seen the four walls of my house now for almost three years now. I'm, I'm over it. I want to go live in a tent or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that was part and parcel of this stuckness I felt. Yeah. This lack of flow. So I got these journals out. I re-looked at some of my notes that I was writing and I, I had one of those aha divine lightning bolts hit me over the top of the head kind of thing. And I realized that that the rant couldn't just be a rant. It had to be a book. And then that's the birth of Love and Kale. I love that name. Thank you. (laughs) 
do, do you know why I named it that? Well, I, I want to know in a minute, but why didn't you pick something like spinach or... Oh God, I love kale. I love kale oh, in love all kale. its iterations. Okay. okay, perfect. Go ahead. Why yeah, did I, was in, I was in Sprouts today and I said to myself, should I buy some pre-made kale? And I'm like, no, no, just make it yourself. <laughs> I actually have some in a nice organic bunch in my refrigerator right now. <laughs> it, it For some people, it's an acquired taste, mm -hmm. you know, because it yeah. has that bitter, I mean, I probably wouldn't have liked kale. Well, Oh my God, kale's been on our plates since probably the 1940s as a garnish over here. And nobody would have even thought to eat that, you know? Yeah. Now we eat curly kale as if it were iceberg lettuce, you know? Okay. Yep. <laughs> so why did you name the book Loving Kale? Oh, now you're going to ask me. I am. Um, <laughs> so as I was doing this mental rumination and... Um, going through the, the process of realizing that loving that that this rant needed to be a book what i came to realize was that with our ability to love ourselves and practice self-love nurture our self-love mm -hmm. hold on to our self-love we are then capable of loving others being love to other people, whether they're spouses, kids, coworkers, whatever, just like our whole being shifts. Mm -hmm. When that shift happens in the universe, also what happens is we open up other avenues or channels for the universe, sp uh, source, spirit, God, mother, father, Buddha, whatever you call it, to, to, uh, shower you with those things that you're looking for success happiness joy weight loss healthy body good marriage great friends and i think the root of all good is love mm -hmm. so what occurred to me was if women can love themselves and eat right meaning eat their vegetables eat a balanced meal i'm not saying be a vegetarian i'm just saying eat right balanced is a better word than right that implies wrong then it's really simple everything takes care of itself mm -hmm. it, it may sound pollyanna to some people but i wanted to distill it down to its mere essence instead of it making it all so complicated you know well if i love myself and then i I, I tell my husband I love him and I love my kids. And, and then if I make a steak for dinner and we have kale, and say, nah, it just don't make it so complicated, people. And that's where the name Love and Kale came from. Hmm. That's really the cool. title of the book. Hey, that's neat. You know, and, and I personally, and I'm going to share this because women, everyone needs to understand what self-love is and find it. Women... There's something different um, because I'm a woman. I'm going to speak for speak for myself as a woman, but it it it's a very um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just something that needs to be found again. And a lot of not everyone really even even understands what self love is. Even the people who have self love, you and I have talked about that before. But they don't even really understand what it is. They just have this feeling that they know. 
And whether you know it or you don't know it, it's something that, like you say, it it um, it's an energy that that helps you to express yourself in life. And there's a stuckness that happens, like you were saying about yourself, that doesn't happen when we have that. And over the past week, literally over the past week, I have been walking through finding that truth, finding that self-love. And I mean, I've been personally going through a whole bunch of different um, little uh, processes to find it. So it's not necessarily something and you can, you can um, share what your thoughts are obviously about this, but it's not necessarily something that you can say, oh yeah, well, you need self-love. Bam, there it is. It doesn't happen that way. There's, there's a, there's a, a journey you need to take if you don't know what it is, if you don't have it, if you at least want to experience it and you don't, and, or you have it and you don't know what it is, there's still a journey you need to take because you need to know why you feel that way. I feel, I think, you know, but, and that, you yeah, know, well, yeah, no. And to that point, the book Love and Kale is not a self-help book. It's not a how-to book. That's what there I'm are. And as I'm researching, you know, getting source material for the book, you know, there's two things I'm doing, you know, obviously doing my due diligence and my research, and then I'm interviewing women from all walks of life, life to understand their journeys. But what I found in doing my general research is that there's probably a couple hundred books out there on self-love, actually with the name, the title, self-love in the title on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, various different places. Hay House has some, you know, some of the major publishers carry them. And they are all written by learned psychologists, licensed clinical social workers, people with years and years experience of working on, with people on, emo, on emotional levels to untangle that stuff we have up there. And what I found in reading those books was that many of those books kind of struck me like, you know, weight loss books, which we know there's millions and millions of weight loss books out there. And none of us weighs 115 pounds, you know? So well, there are a few people. <laughs> what I found in, the, in those books on self-love was they were, they were strictly how-to guides. Um, there's some really great journals out there and I actually have a journal on my website, which I recommend. And there's another journal, which I, I'm currently doing the journal work right now. And that, it's like an activities book to just to make sure that it, it fits with my thinking as well too. But what I found in the book, these books by these licensed clinical social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists is that it was very much like a self-help book get up, look yourself in the mirror, say, gosh, darn it, I love you. Hug yourself three times a day. Uh, once a day, uh, uh, do something nice for yourself. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, get, get a pedicure or something like that. Again, I'm coming back to these are all outward things. Um, inward things are things like meditation, quiet time, Resting, just resting in silence with yourself. Um, and those books would maybe reference, you know, Tammy, age uh, 45, married to David for 10 years. <laughs> I know, I was. 
married to David for like 10 years, three kids, two dogs, a mortgage, you know, she doesn't, she can't find herself love, you know, um, but it n never, like it would say, she feels, you know, she told me she doesn't feel happy and she, does, and she doesn't know what's wrong with her marriage and stuff like that, but it was never in her words. It, were, it was never first person. And so in, in coming up with this idea about self-love, about love and kale, what I wanted to make sure that we did was we told the stories anonymously of women of all ages and all backgrounds and all religions and all races and all, all countries as well too. Uh, the women I'm interviewing are all around the world. They're not just here in sunny Florida. Um, because as you said, before I started talking, is that it's really a journey to discover one's self-love. And like any journey in life, when it's your time to discover something, that's when you discover it. You can't discover it because somebody goes like this and says, you will have self-love. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to have the courage of heart, um, the mental fortitude, the space as well too. Many women don't have space. Some of the women I'm talking to literally shut themselves in the bathroom in the shower at night to cry mm -hmm. because their lives are so overscheduled with dance lessons, piano lessons, soccer, uh, making dinner, picking up the dry cleaning, working a full-time job, getting the groceries. I'm not saying their husbands don't help, but let's just be really honest here. Mothers are the chief caregivers. That's the way it was. That's the way it is today. You know, that hasn't altered in our lifetime. So um, it's a sad, it's a sad story when the only peace that a mother can get is through tears in the shower. Mm. So what I hope this book does is give women hope whether you discover your self-love in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s or your 50s or your 60s, or you found it and lost it and you need to get it back, you know, um, give women hope, but to see other women's stories and maybe see themselves in it, um, know that they're not on this journey alone. Mm -hmm. um, and know that they're, they're okay. They're exactly where they're supposed to be doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, experiencing exactly what they're supposed to be ex experiencing in their life at that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful because I mean, a lot of us have been, and I talk about trauma a lot because of my own experience and people I've talked, you know, uh, connected with, but when we've tr been traumatized, there's that's pieces of the work that needs to get done. Like, and I mentioned um, the grief work, you know, in order to get to self-love, you're not gonna, you can't, you can go by the how-tos all you want to, um, but you're not gonna find it without releasing that energy that is literally stuck inside of your body. If you're holding anger, um, whether it's to yourself or to somebody else, you cannot love yourself. You can't. It's impossible. Uh, it's, it's, or challenging or, you know, whatever. So I think it's really important for, for a book like this to come out to show women and men, you know, that there's an opportunity 
to see what it's like and to find that. And you've done this, you're doing this, you're, in, you're on your journey. And um, I read a few things about, um, you know, pieces of your story on how you got to this point to wanting to do this. Can you, can you go a little bit deeper into um, what that, what the story, your, your backstory is um, as to, you know, the, sure. the, so the vulnerable meant- pieces if you can. So like like many um, people in this world, you know, I'm a product of divorced family Mm -hmm. and uh, raised by a single mother who was uh, emotionally and mentally challenged. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that takes its toll on the children. If I can just back up for a second, because I want to say one thing that in my discussions with women, I am finding that self-love was present for many, many women in when they were younger, Mm. four, five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. And I'm, as I'm talking to you now about my childhood, I can very clearly say I can tell you on this day and this day and this day, this is what I experienced. My self-love experience was a sense of joy, a sense of contentment, a sense of happiness. And I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And then life happens. Yeah. And when I say life happens, I'm going to say that our parents doing the best that they can with what they have and the outside influences that they believe in church, state, whatever it may be, begin to conditionalize us to prepare us for the world ahead. Excuse me. And how that may look is, and I've heard this from several women, you need to be smart, you need to be pretty, you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. And if you are the smartest person in the room, don't let anybody know it. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that starts around you know, that started around six or seven for many women of the baby boomer, post baby boomer, perhaps even into the Gen X a little bit as well too. And then you get into middle school, not so much in grade school, but in middle school and all hell breaks loose. Mm. And then now you've got all the outside influences of clicks. You know, everybody wants to dress like the popular girl. Everyone wants to be like the popular girl. And if you're not like the popular girl, if you're not the smartest person in the class, if you're not the prettiest person in the class, then where you go is within in a very detrimental way. And you start to practice um, self-deprecation. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I do. Because you just brought up a memory for me, which I think may have started... um, and it wasn't even a memory. It was actually a friend of mine's memory who, rem- who remembered watching this happen. But um, this was in middle school. And it's interesting. It kind of fits in. I had a um, male gym teacher. And he was teaching everybody how to do cartwheels. And he didn't know. And I, of course, I didn't tell him that I already knew how to do a cartwheel. So I've got knowledge as a 11 year old 10 year old something like that I've already got knowledge on how to do this and he pulled me up to the front of the line to so he could teach everybody step by step how to do a cartwheel well my friend told me um 
that I actually did started to do the cartwheel and I couldn't hold it. I had to go follow through and I kicked him in the face and he got mad at me and yelled at me and screamed and get to the back of the line, you know, because obviously I shocked him or whatever, but that doesn't matter. But when he did that, I felt that my knowledge, this is powerful because this is something I never, I haven't thought about it this way. It pushed me back to the back of the line. So yeah. I had to be behind everybody else because I knew something that other people didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Holy yeah. crap. Because, and this, you know, this is in the moment. I didn't even realize that, you know, so thank well, you. there you go. There you go. We'll yeah. release it. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we get into that age and then we, we really, as women become really, we become our, become our own judge and jury at that point and seem to spiral down as hormones start to fly around as well too. And um, just become our worst, really become our worst enemies instead of our best friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying our parents are at fault here, but parents tell boys back then and even today you can do, have, or be anything you want to be. And don't let anybody tell you anything different. The segue from that is the whole entitlement thing that we're going through with the snowflakes right now, where boys and girls, yeah, boys and girls are being told you can have, be, or do anything that you want, regardless of what anybody says to you. Mm. But what's missing from there is don't jump, don't step on people to get what you want. Right. And you don't deserve it just because you show up. You know, you have to do the work. And that's the part that's missing. And I'm going to put air quotes out here, modern day parenting. We want our children to have all this self-esteem, which is another topic of conversation that we could spend another hour on <laughs> um, about the church and self-esteem and self-actualization and, and why we are where we are today. Um, is mainly because of uh, church doctrine and um, the idea of, of holding the masses down to, to increase the flock and the coffers because if they truly believe that they're equal to God, then why would they show up here? Mm -hmm. So that's another, another um, program in itself. But okay, so then, you know, you, you, get into, you get into junior high school and since you don't have this, the self-love has slowly been getting knocked out of you. It, it's so displaced at this point that, you know, you can't, you, you, you couldn't have self-love even if you tried to have self-love. Mm -hmm. And mommy and daddy showering with you. We love you. We love you. So you are so appreciated. You, you know, that's not the same as self-love. Mm -hmm. That's again, outward. So back to my story, you know, a single mother doing the best that she can with a mental illness is, for, with four kids is not the best recipe for self-love. It just isn't. Um, and by the time I got into my early, late teens, early 20s, I was, well, first of all, I was definitely hell-bent on repeating a lot of the mistakes that she had made as an adult woman. Um, but... Uh, there was no self-love. There was no self-actualization. There was no self-awareness. Mm. There was just 
this terrible outward focus for love, validation, mm-hmm. praise, um, acceptance, um, you know, just, you just fill in the blanks. And that's what I meant by, you know, in my bio about how that's that journey. Um, and everybody likes to be pat on the back and say a job well done, but that can't be your only sense of value or your only sense of worth. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be times when people don't pat you on the back and say, you know, you, Tammy, you really screwed that one up. <laughs> so what do you do when that happens? You know, you shouldn't say to yourself, oh, I'm a failure. Or I'm useless. I'm worthless. I, you know, I should quit my job and go work in fast food, which is nothing to work bad about working in fast food. But we, you know, we, we go down the rabbit hole with that one. Now, if we possessed a sense of self-love and self-compassion and a real high self-worth, and I don't want to use the word self-esteem because that's just got perverted in the past 20 years. I got to find a new saying besides self-esteem. When something like that would happen and somebody said, Tammy, you know, you really screwed that one up. You know, I would be able to own it and say, you know, you're absolutely right. I did. Will not happen again. And then... Privately, I would have the power, the wherewithal, the the tools to say to myself, you know what? I screwed that up. It is never going to happen again. But it doesn't mean I'm not the best fill in the blank. Or that I'm not worthy. I mean, that's a big deal. Or that I'm not worthy. Or that people don't like me. Or that I'll never be promoted. I mean, we just, oh my God, we just, the mechanations we do with our brain is just, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not self-talk. It's self-badgering or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I recently read somewhere uh, something, and I'm going to make sure that it does get into the book about whole self-compassion. That in my 20s, if if I would have talked to myself as if I was talking to a four-year-old and said, "You know what, Tammy? That's okay. You know what? You you made that mistake, but that doesn't mean that you're not a good person." you know, you still have wonderful qualities. If we talk to ourselves like we talk to a four-year-old that spills milk on the floor or breaks a crayon or wets their pants or something like that, you know, um, wow, just wow. What would be available to an adult mm-hmm. if they interacted with themselves like they were a wonderful child? I have, I have yeah. something. Do you, can I, can I throw something in here? It's another sure. example. It's just, this it's is your podcast <laughs> just but i don't want to stop you if you had something you wanted to add to that um so um i have done my uh personal development over many years it's like 30 plus years something like that and about five years ago was that's how i ended up in in florida initially um i went to a personal development course and I'm after I did this particular thing, I found that, you know, a lot of people use it. So it's really beautiful, but, um, they did this, this thing where they, they circled, they put all the students in a, in a seated circle and they had like, um, the, what did they call They, They were the assistants that were standing behind them. And there were these songs that came on and they were all kind of, you know, going back to childhood songs or, you know, real sweet, loving, blah, blah, blah. 
types of songs. Anyway, so the person behind them would put their hands on their on the shoulder of the person sitting and they would whisper in their ear everything that they wanted to hear when they were a child. So they would be getting things like, um, I love you, you're beautiful, you're amazing, I'm so proud of you, you, make, you mean the world to me, you know, these types of things. And I remember when I did it and I was sitting there, this was the, this was the beginning of the, like, the deep work that I did when I, when I went down there. What happened was I, st my, I started like, you know, tingling and feeling weird and then not feeling weird. It was, it was interesting because it was just hearing those things because I had never heard any of those things. And, and it's not just one person. They go around in a circle and the next person does it. Next person, next person. And I heard all of this stuff and it opened something inside of me that was like, that's what I've been wanting to hear for so long. And a lot of us don't hear that. You know, and it's and and that opens up. Whoa, you know, but it's not the, it, it's them telling you what they wanted to hear, but they're telling it to you, and it sounds and with the music behind it, it was like it sounded like these whispers of angels or whispers of your parents when they could have done that and they didn't, and it was just so powerful. And I just wanted to share that in relation to what you had just said because, you know, some of us just don't hear that stuff, and we don't know that about ourselves and so yeah yeah, yeah. well if, especially if you never heard it as a child you know one of the main themes that I heard as a child was why do you have to be so different mm. and I mean plain truth of it is is that I am different I yeah, I was nothing <laughs> different yeah. I was nothing like my brothers and sister I, I understand from my mother's perspective that having a child that was different was difficult because when you're a single parent of four kids it's like herding cats and I get that but again she didn't know that saying something like that was going to be soul crushing mm -hmm. but it was soul crushing it absolutely was soul crushing and you know probably from that point on I wanted to fit in I mean I was a cheerleader in high school I was a gymnast you know I was a straight-a student uh, because I wanted to fit in and, and um, I was in the drama club. I wanted to excel, but, you know, I, to a certain point, I didn't want to yeah. be, you know. Um, I didn't want to stand out. I wanted to excel, but I didn't want to be like, oh. Correct. Yeah. I wanted to be noticed, but not noticed, if that yeah. made any sense whatsoever. Yeah, you know? no, it does. It really but, does. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, you know... I'm a, I'm a parent myself and, you know, I've had to do a lot of forgiveness work on myself to forgive myself for the stupid shit I did with my son. I didn't, you know, didn't know any better. I was doing the best I could. There was no malintent there, but, you know, there's, and I, I was just going to say, there's no books on parenting. Oh God, help me. There's hundreds of books on parenting, Yeah, well, you know, and my, and my favorite one is, now, Johnny, don't do that, okay? <laughs> you know, why are we negotiating with a five-year-old? <laughs> uh, which is a whole other topic altogether. Another, anyhow. So far, we've got four more interviews we can do, but go ahead. Oh, my God. Box. I, I, Box. 
But yeah, so back to self-love, um, you know, uh, just having that self-compassion, that mm-hmm. uh, keeping away, uh, keeping at bay the self-criticism, which is so easy to do, um, can really help a woman un- unlock or discover or realize her self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely the rest of my life is boring, you know. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt what? it. I doubt it, but oh, it, you know what? I, I say that to people, it's like it's boring to me, you know. Lived in New York City, ran two international ad agencies, one in Sydney, Australia, one in New York City. Oh, that's you know? boring. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing here's the thing that's the self value and the self worth that we don't have. So, why don't we turn it around, flip it around, and say, um, guess what? You lived in New York City and you ran an ad agency and you ran one that was where in Australia? What did you say? Yeah, I, I lived in Australia. Australia. Come yeah. on. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. I know, but here's it, but here's here's the point. Here's the point. I don't want to be seen as navel gazing, you know, <laughs> as tuning my own horn. I know. And here the other yeah. piece of it is that's what made you who you are today too. So oh, I love absolutely. that. I think it's so cool. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Um, so now I know because you interviewed me that you have a certain uh, list of questions that you ask. Well, they're, and, they're thought starters. Thought they're starters. Thought starters. That's what we'll call them. Okay. Yeah. Thought starters. And I was thinking because I think it would be kind of cool for people to understand um, kind of how you're you're compiling this and putting it together. I think it would be kind of cool if you maybe ask me a couple of those questions, like as as a process. You give, you, you give my secrets away. Oh, just well, simple. They don't even have to be secretive questions. They can. I will. Simple. I will give. I will give one of the most profound secrets away that I've learned so far in this process. Yes, I got a profound secret. <laughs> <laughs> so uh for any of those people that are watching that would love to participate i think um caroline is going to give you at, at the end of this podcast a, a way that you could participate in the book but so what i've compiled is a two-page uh information background on the book like where it came from its germ- its germination and why the name love and kale and uh, you know, basically what I'm asking for is basically to interview women for 30 minutes um, to capture their stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. No right or wrong answers, no judgment. Um, I love that line from uh, Jumanji with Jack Black when he's in character for the female. And he says, judgy much? I think I'm going to make that my new um, m- man- mantra. But um, self judging um, much, yeah, judging much, that, no, um, judging much, self judging, yeah, and then the way, and then the way he says it is just like yeah. you know, she, I think she, he's playing her as a val- some kind of a valley girl or something, like yeah. That. But um, <laughs> the second page is a purposefully designed um series of thought starter questions, and um. Some of them may be very easy for women to ask, and some of them may not be. Um, I will say that 90% of the women I have interviewed so far have said to me that 
they had never thought about self-love before, but now they think about it all the time. Mm. And they check in with themselves to see if they're being self-loving or, and I'll say this in a little bit um, because I don't want to get it wrong, or not. So here's the profound thing. So they get this, these two pieces of paper before the interview. We get on the interview. I ask them who they are, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's going to be anonymous in the book, by the way. And then I ask them, Yay! <laughs> what was your first impression when you read the questions? And what I'm finding is that that, is, that gets me the most profound answers out of all the questions. Because it's stuff like, I had never thought about self-love before. I don't know what self-love is, you know? Uh, I'm personally not leading these interviews to tell you what self-love is. Um, uh, and the stream of consciousness that comes just from that question alone, I could throw all the rest of the questions out. Mm. But eventually we do end up going into some of the other questions. When I, when, I, when I hit upon that question, which I'm not even sure if I asked you that question or not in your interview. No. And if you're feeling left out, I can ask you that one. <laughs> I don't know. When you said it, I was like, <gasps> I don't know. Okay. Whatever yeah, you because... ask me, here's the thing. When I do these processes, whatever I get asked, it's live TV from that for, for about five or 10 minutes. It's live TV. And then after it's over, I just kind of give an, or share what my experience was. <laughs> and, sure. then, and then we end and then I go throw up. So whatever, whatever happens is perfectly okay. <laughs> <laughs> throwing up it. That's how you're so thin. So what I found was, um, you know, comments like, wow, these are really deep questions. You know, I'm not asking anybody to expose themselves and, you know, but sure enough, you know, they, these women get started and some of the most incredible, unselfish, mm. generous, mind-blowing things are being shared with me um, about who they are as women, their journey to where they are today. And some of them are in their 20s and some of them are in their 30s and some of them are in their 40s and some of them are in their 50s. Some of them are in their 60s. Some are married, some are divorced, some have never been married. Um, some have been divorced for so long they don't even consider themselves as being married kind of thing. Um, and then after we get over that one, which usually takes like 15 minutes, then I can ask a couple of other follow-up questions, you know, about the experience of self-love and nurturing self-love. And um, I, I think another profound one for me is, you know, if they have a daughter or nieces or a sister, you know, how, how would how would they either help her discover her self-love or encourage her to discover her self-love? Mm -hmm. And some pretty incredible things are coming out of that mm -hmm. as well, too. Okay, well, let's do two questions. Do you have the questions in front of you? No, I don't. I was looking for them for a few minutes ago and I can't find them, so no. Oh do you pick them. Okay. I don't want to pick them. <laughs> that's that's no. the excitement here. 
so um, when I'm going to assume that you've already said to me, oh, I discovered my self-love in 1977. I was at a um, uh, Grateful Dead concert and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, okay, so um, I was, I was, how old was I in 1977? You probably weren't born yet, you know. No, I was 13. Okay, so you've already told me that you discovered self-love. Okay. Um, so what have you discovered about yourself when you're in a state of self-love? What have I discovered about myself when I'm in a state of self-love? Um, so your, your self-love is present to you. So let's say self-love shows up to you as a sense of peace or joy. He just answered just my question though, because <laughs> that's what I feel. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, like right now, this is. No, but, but, but what did you discover? What did you discover about your true self, about your truth? What did I discover about my truth? That I'm, that I'm, ah, that I'm bigger than I thought I was. That I'm more. Expensive. That you're not, what, that you're not five foot six? What, what, what does that bigger, mean? Big... In there's more, like, I've always played small and I couldn't, I couldn't get myself out of that, that smallness out of that space and it's like whenever when, now it's now I feel like it's like that's why I said expansive it's it's um little and so little. when you're when you feel limitless what's available to you everything everything what's in every what's everything. in everything everything is connection with people and love and and you know, just being able to do what I want to do in a day and, and, and feeling. So accomplish, accomplish things, succeed, succeed, succeed at things, um, create, create new things. I'm, um, I'm actually re I've been doing this for a while, but I'm going to share this. It's like what, what it's doing for me now is pulling out the, I, I learned how to play piano when I was a child. And a couple of years ago, I was in a duo with, um, with someone and he played the guitar. We both sang, we wrote the music, we recorded a bunch of music, but I was always afraid to do it by myself. Now I'm re once again, probably for the third time because I pushed it away and I was afraid of it. Now I'm sitting down at the keyboard learning and writing my own song. I don't know what it's going to turn out. I'm still learning how to do it, but I feel like there's this, that's the expansiveness. That it's like, I'm able to express myself. I'm only doing the, the music right now. Not, I haven't written anything, but it's putting all that together and not being afraid. It's not being afraid to do that. And your screen just blanked out again. And you're back. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. So that's what it does. It like pulls out like the creativity and, and, and the, the not, and not being afraid to try it. Like I used to be so afraid when I first met, um, met my partner when we did the music, I wouldn't even look at the keyboard. I wouldn't even look at it because of all the trauma that I had around like doing the piano and music and everything when I was little. And now I am working on writing my own song without anybody else. So for me, that's huge. That's what I say. 
one question. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So, so there, yeah, it's proof. It goes into this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and it could be it could be scary to look at that sheet of questions and be confronted with one's true self because I think that's what's really happening. Um, I've actually had women say to me, I don't have self-love, I can't do this. And I say, as gently as I possibly can, what makes you think you don't have self-love? Mm. You know, again, I think they're looking for something on the outside. So to those women, I recommend that they use one of these, um, uh, not, I don't wanna call it a journal because it's not really a journal, but it's an activities book. And yes, I get a little bit of money from it. Um, I'm, you know, uh, I, I didn't take a vow to be a pauper here. We can, um, you're gonna give me the, I want you to give me the link to that book anyway. We can put it on, on the, yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, but, um, and to do that work and then let's revisit them, revisit it with them. And if the book's done, the book's done. But if the book's not done, then why can't she and I just, work on that, you know, together, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that with somebody. That's, so, um, that's really powerful. Um, I just, I had this thing, this vision, when you said that it was like this woman or these women who feel that way, I don't know what self-love is. I am that woman. I didn't know because I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't, I never saw it in my family because of generational trauma. I never saw it in my relationships. I never, um, I may have seen it in, in certain friends of mine, but I didn't know what it looked like. So I couldn't recognize it. So sometimes it, it, it feels like, I mean, our, our uh, souls know what it is. We just have to be reminded, I think. Because sure. do and that's what I said to you. That's what I said to you earlier about, I think that as, as children, we are definitely born with, well, we have a sense of self and we, we have, you know, all the needs that we have, but until someone says anything different to us in our childhood, we love ourselves. We accept ourselves, foibles and all. Mm -hmm. um, and then suddenly someone says something and it's generally around seven years old. That's what psychologists say is when things click for us and we're never the same again. You know, that whole seven years, seven, 14, 21, 28, you know, um, but it's generally around seven years old. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of healing work is based at, you know, uh, when you do regression work and stuff like that, they want to take you back to six or seven years old as well too. Well, that's, um, yeah. I mean, I do inner child work with people and I just had my own inner child uh, uh, session done and I've never... I mean, I've, I've um, had pieces of it, but not to this extreme. And it's so freaking powerful to just, for me, it was like this vision. I could see myself at that age and I went through it last week and it was like um, being able to go through the process and then take care of yourself that it, you, you, I got walked through to take care of myself, to love myself after I went through all the you know, the shame and the anger and the, and the uh, fear and everything that I had gone through. Actually, I did a 
double, I did a double. I did one from when I was born and I did another one from when I was like six years old or seven, something like that. I can't remember. And it has stuck in my life since that time. So it was like this inner child work. I love, I don't know. I can't say enough about it. It is just being able to connect with that. Child oh, yeah, it's, didn't it, get what they it's, did. Uh, it's extremely valuable for people who want to explore their truth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, <laughs> there's also, so if you want to go even deeper, um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Here uh, we go. Doing, Give me something else I can do. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, doing past life regression mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, people think they're born to Jane and Bob Smith. And they're not. They're born to Jane and Bob Smith, Jane and Bob Smith's dad and mom, Jane's mom and dad, Jane's mom and dad's mom and dad, and generally, generally, generationally, thousands and thousands of years back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're born, you've got the DNA of all of those people that came before you, which that is of its own animal over here. And then we have the past lives that we've had as well too. And while many people may think that that's all woo-woo-y and there's no such thing and, and that's fine. You can have that opinion, you know, kind of thing. But um, I'm, I'm going to say that it, affects us tremendously in our today lives. And I'll, I'll give you a good example of it with myself. Can, let wow, me, let me say something real quick because I don't know who's watching. I just want, I just want you to understand um, that like I personally believe in past lives, but not everybody does. And it's okay if you don't, but um, that's this, right. this that's is right. a, um, understanding that that Tammy has about it. And I understand, I'll probably understand what she's saying, but I'm just saying it's not a bad thing if you don't believe in it. But um, it's interesting to just kind of get another um, perspective on, you know, the way things are or could be out there or whatever. So yeah, just wanted to share that. (laughs) All all I ask is that people just be open-minded. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what I was trying to get to, but yeah. Yeah. That's that's all, you know, and to each his own. And, you know, if it's not something that you believe in, nobody's going to judge you on it. But um, I know of three previous lives um, that I had, um, but I'll I'll just share one with you. It's pretty traumatic. (laughs) So I don't know if you noticed, but I have nothing around my neck. Um, no jewelry. Choked or hung? I have that. Choked or hung? Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, not even that. No. Okay. So uh, I lived in one of the in a previous life. I lived in one of my most favorite places in the world. I lived in Paris, and I was married to a man who was very high up in the 18, 1870s, 18, not 18, sorry, 1780s, you know, the height of Napoleon, the Napoleonic Wars, um, Louis, all of that, the revolution and whatnot. And he was pretty high up and he was in finance. And um, we were both beheaded. Okay. And 
Yeah. He was, found, <laughs> he was found to be treasonous and everybody was found to be treasonous back in those days, you know? Right. And because I was married to him, um, I was then found guilty just through association. Mm-hmm. So um, I cannot wear anything around my neck, scarves, necklaces, nothing. I can't have shirts that go up there. I, I cannot breathe. Mm-hmm. I just, I cannot breathe. Um, and then there's also another, another chapter of that as well too, but why I'm just bringing this up, is not because it's not off with our head kind of thing, but because if you are, are an explorer yeah. and if, yeah, exactly. If you're an explorer and if you're looking for your truth and your self-reality, there's so many different things that you can read and participate and study in and whatnot. And they may or may not have validity for you as to where you are today, but getting one's head chopped off in a previous life doesn't really set you up (laughs) for a whole heck of a lot of self-love in this, in this life. Uh, There was other lives before after that one. And I'm sure before, but that's as far back as I went. Um, and keep in mind that nothing is linear in this situation. Everything goes in like as a circular play because you don't correct. all go. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but you know, imagine, imagine uh, if you will. Uh, so I, I get my head chopped off because of the man I'm married to. Do I love him or not? I don't know that. Um, we never went down that far in terms of the regression. But I just knowing that my, um, who I was as a person was determined by another person Mm. would explain a lot about why I fight the outward, uh, validation, the outward description, the outward, um, uh, labeling of myself and other women. That's really interesting. And something just popped into my head that I just went into coachy mode for a minute there, but your neck is always on the line for other people. Like you, that's what it felt like to me. It was like, and I could be wrong, but it just popped into my head. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, Like it's your fault because of this. It's your fault. It's always your fault because of something that somebody else does. So your neck is always on the line for other people and yeah. they're and their whatever. Does that, does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, that, that could be it too. But to be, to be, I think for me, that uh, what really truly resonates with me is to be lumped in with that other person and whether or not he, you know, wasn't doing the finances right or not. I was complicit. I was found guilty. I was mm-hmm. judged, excuse me, by his, Actions, inactions, or something like that. So in this life, um, do you take responsibility for other people? Or have you? In this life, in this do life, I take... Have you taken, um, taken the blame? Have I taken the fall? Have I taken the fall for someone? Yeah. Absolutely not. No? Well, how... Okay, because that's what I was trying to figure out how it fit in. Because it really kind of blends in... 
Oh, maybe absolutely. you learned it. You could have learned it. Then you probably learned whatever that was. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. No, -uh, I will never. I will never fall on the knife for somebody else. Then uh -uh. you probably learned that lesson. Oh yeah, you you have to chop my head off twice. God, right? That's a good thing. Yay. <laughs> okay, I was just curious. <laughs> I think for me, I think that explains a lot with my, the, the, the total bombardment from advertising, marketers, society, parents, you will be this way. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just really hope that love and kale helps to free, helps to free women up. Yeah. Yeah. And not to feel that way, whatever their way is, you know? Yeah. Just sure. to really own their own truth. Yeah. Yep. Did you want to ask me one more question or are you, or, or, um, cause this. No, I, I think, I think that one question kind of sort of spawned an answer for many questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. So we probably, we'll probably be here for six more hours if we do that. Um, we've been known. Uh, so I guess that's, I mean, unless, do you have anything else you want to share, um, that we haven't talked about? No, I think we covered it all. I hope to have the first draft of the book done um, uh, by the end of summer and start getting it out there, getting it published. I mean, I do show it on my website. It's coming soon. And that's just because I'm putting it out there to the universe. Um, you can't take pre-orders yet. You can't take pre-orders until you actually have a manuscript. But like I said, if there's any women that are in your sphere of influence that would love to be involved in this, um, I would welcome them to reach out to me and and tell their story, share their yeah. story, share their journey. Yeah. yeah. And what I'll do, what I'll do is um, I'll put a link um, when I post the the video. I'll put a link in there, or or I'll make a comment or something to either. No, I'll just put I'll put a link. I'll just put the link in there to get in touch with you. So give me whatever link there is, or email or whatever that they can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, and then, and then I'll put that in the, um, in the YouTube and probably in the, when I post it to, to okay. say whatever's going to say what's coming, you know, for you. Okay. Um, so really the only other thing is, um, well, this is perfect for this. How can, how can people get in touch with you? <laughs> well, uh, they can, uh, go to the website for the book, which is, uh, www. You don't say Love that anymore, Nail. by the way. <laughs> Love and Kale. Love it. It's just Love and Kale. A and D. Love and Kale.com. Yes. And they can um, uh, reach out to me there. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Missy. Thank you so much for sharing this. This was, I had a Thanks for having Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So everyone, thank you for being here and sharing in this really fun moment with Tammy Romer and I, and um, looking forward to hopefully hearing from some of you uh, ladies, women, young ladies, whoever wants to get in touch with Tammy and get asked these questions and see where it goes and um, help, help her out and getting this out there for other women. And I appreciate your time and I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are. And uh, that's it. Bye.